الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما خلقت الجن والإنس إلا ليعبدون وقال تعالى في مقام آخر ألا بذكر الله تطمئن القلوب وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يكون هواه تبعا لما جئت به أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected علماءي الكرام Brothers and elders Allah تبارك وتعالى has given us this opportunity to gather to listen to something about deen May Allah Ta'ala make it a means of benefit for myself, for all of us, and make it a means of us getting closer to Allah Ta'ala. <coughs> In day-to-day life, among various other things, one extremely important thing is identification. To be able to correctly identify what is what. Just to understand it by some very simple examples, little child, the child cannot identify what is a sweet and what is a tablet. The difference between the two, the child cannot identify. And the tablet is lying there, the child thinks it's some smarties or something, and he takes it. It can create a major problem person might have grown a little beyond childhood, but he still can't make out the difference between medicine and poison. So he wrongly identifies what is what. That can be fatal, it can lead to death. And then more simple examples, person like for example, will walk out of the masjid now, and a person can't identify his own shoes, he wears somebody else's shoes and starts walking away. One is he'll be in problem with whoever shoes he wears. But if he's going to try to wear somebody else's shoes, he's going to harm his feet. Perhaps it might be too tight for him. It might be too loose for him. He might fall. The bottom line is that to correctly identify something is a very important aspect in life, day-to-day life. It's so natural that it's taken for granted, but it's a fundamental thing. And as people grow, because of this issue of identification being so fundamental, a time comes in a person's life, in his early teens, where they say that he now has an identification crisis, an identity crisis. This is a term that they've coined for whatever the meaning they use it in. There's a time now a person is asking himself questions, who am I really? Or where am I heading for? Or, what is my whole direction and he's seeking these answers he's trying to define who he is where he's headed to so generally this is regarded as one of the main problems facing the youth identity crisis this comes back to the same thing identification correctly identifying what's what but while this is regarded as one of the main problems facing youth 
if we really ponder over it, this is a problem that faces everybody, of, all of us. Generally, all of us are in an identity crisis. The identity crisis that we are in often is that while we know we have the knowledge that who we are, where we are headed to, but in practical life, this identity crisis plays itself out. For example, everyone, every person who has Iman, every person who reads the Kalima, he knows his Rabb is Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is his sustainer. Allah Ta'ala is his nourisher. Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala created him. Allah Ta'ala provides for him. But in day-to-day life, a person is in this identity crisis when he's faced with ways and means to earn a living which are against the commands of Allah Ta'ala. When he can make a million in a moment, but it is haram. And now he's in that crisis that he can't identify where in reality his allegiance lies. Or where in reality is his sustenance coming from. At that moment he's now sometimes forgets Allah Ta'ala is his sustainer, Allah Ta'ala is the nourisher. Allah Ta'ala is providing for him. Risk comes only from Allah Ta'ala. He then opts to do things which are against the commands of Allah Ta'ala to earn his living. To make that extra few pounds and cents. So this is part of that identity crisis. Likewise, person fails to identify who in reality is his imam. One is just on a the sideline, that we are following the imam in salah, but somebody doesn't identify the voice of the imam. Somebody else, as it happened in one situation one day, everybody was in salah, and they were now in sajda or whatever, and one person came late. So from the last saf, he read his takbir to go into sajda and join the imam so loudly, everybody thought the imam said Allah Akbar. They came away from sajda. Uh, he didn't, they didn't identify the voice of the imam or didn't identify that moment who's the imam. Everything went haywire. So our imam in life, that we fail sometimes in practicality. While our aqidah is there, our belief is there, alhamdulillah. That our imam in life is Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And we can only succeed in following Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam and following his way of life. But in day-to-day life, we tend to forget where our imam is. And we wrongly identify sometimes maybe the West as our imam. As a result, we start following the value system of the West. Person gets carried away with the lifestyle of the West. This knowledge is there because this identification, the correct identification, is sometimes hampered by something internal person is ignorant, doesn't know what's the medicine, what's the poison. Or the child is ignorant, what is the tablet and what is the sweet. And sometimes it happens due to external factors. A person knows what's a stick and what's a snake, but he's in a dark room. So because of the external factor, the darkness, now he's thinking he's going to be holding the stick and he holds onto the snake and he's bitten and it kills him also. Now that was due to an external factor. We also have the knowledge. We're not ignorant of this. But the external factor, that there's darkness of materialism all around. There's darkness of this westernism all around. There's darkness of all this 
various fitna and fasad that engulfs us. As a result, despite the knowledge, the person knows what's the difference between a stick and a snake. He knows that the stick, the snake is poisonous. He knows how harmful it is. He knows it can kill him. But in the darkness, he's still holding the snake. As a result, he suffers the consequences. Likewise, in the darkness of all this fitna and fasad, in the darkness of this materialism that is all around us, a person knows this is wrong. A person knows this is something against the commands of Allah. A person knows the West is not my Imam. But in the darkness, he still holds on to that snake. And as a result, we suffer the consequences. For example, as part of this Western way of life and the value system of the West, the object of life, though it might not be stated in so many words, but the object of life is this dunya. And the object of life is acquiring the material possessions of the world. It will be said in different words, so you must always try to improve the quality of life. What is the meaning of quality of life? Quality of life means possessions in their context. You must be able to have a bigger house, must be able to have a better car, must be able to have more material possessions, you must be able to flash around in better things. That is what is meant by a better quality of life. But in that process, the person has no peace, he has no time for himself, time for his family, time for anything, but no, we're improving the quality of our life. So the mother is working, the father is working, every person in the family is working, and nobody has sometimes, as in the Western way of life, there is, according to research, almost half of Western families, there is 17 seconds, 17 seconds of meaningful conversation between father and child. Because the quality of life has improved tremendously in terms of material things. So therefore, the 17 seconds of daily meaningful conversation on average between parent and child. Is this the quality of life? Now, when we don't identify who's our imam, Nabi Islam is our imam. And what he has taught us, we fall into the same trap. We also hold on to the snake. We also make the dunya our object. And then wealth becomes the person's criteria in life. Everything wealth will demand. What he should do, what he shouldn't do. When he should do it, how he should do it. Where he should go, where he shouldn't go. So this will be dictated in that manner. Then, and whereas, let alone our guide, as we said, is Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that is where we take our guidance from. But just for the sake of understanding it, as they say, from the horse's mouth. One researcher, if this was really something that was of worth, if a person acquiring the material possessions of this world, if this was something that was really going to benefit him, and was the be-all and end-all, then a person who has the most wealth will be the happiest. A person who has the most wealth will be the most, content, most serene person. Whereas their own research, one researcher says that he researched the lives of the 50 wealthiest people in the, in, in the States, in America. This is recorded. And 50 of the wealthiest people over a 40-year period they were studied. Their lives, their families, 
Now we're talking about people running in the, as they call it now, telephone figures. Nowadays, telephone figures have also gone small now. So, 50 of such people, and then the end result of it, he says, is that with few exceptions, with few exceptions, generally the lives of all these people and their heirs was marked by alcoholism, suicide, drug addiction, and despair. We talk about despair. Person despairs, what does it mean? That he's got no hope in anything. He's totally lost. He's got no zest for life left. He doesn't have any hope left. He's despondent completely. He's in despair. Now, the person who is the wealthiest, why would he despair if wealth had everything? So this exposes the reality that wealth doesn't have anything. Yes, wealth, when it's come in a halal way, it's come with the blessings of Allah wa ta'ala, it has come with barakat, then whether it is little or it is much, but it has come in the correct way, it has come with barakat, then that will be a blessing. But in itself, it can be a great problem. So now, this identification, now many a times from the young ages, a person now is already, his mind is going in that direction. I need to be successful in life, I need to become the wealthiest person. I need to do this, that and the other, and I need to also build my empire someday. Uh, he's already dreaming all those big, big things which are in reality nothing. So these dreams already are being engendered in our children, in our teens, in our youngsters, in our youth. Whereas this is the root for many a problem. The, the dreams that should be in a child is how he's going to become that type of person when he grows up that will serve the deen of Allah wa ta'ala. How will he become that kind of person as in one western country, one woman teacher, one female teacher, she's asking the children what you want to become later in life. And one child says, I want to become a sahabi. So she is astounded, what is this? Who is a sahabi? So she goes, makes a point of phoning the mother, and she wants to know that your son says he wants to become a sahabi. What, what is this, some new profession or some new kind of something, somebody's gone past the moon or something, they call him a sahabi. She may not have asked that, I'm just putting that as a footnote. So she wanted to know what's a sahabi. So the mother explained, well, you see, we have this talim at home, and we talk and we read about the companions of our beloved Prophet ﷺ, of what great people they were, and what tremendous things they did, and what great qualities they had, and all these things we talk and speak about them and read about them. So this is what my child is aspiring to be. Now, this, these are the dreams that should have been in the hearts of the child as he's growing up. These are the aspirations that should have been in him, but because of this external factor, the darkness of the materialism, the darkness of the westernism, that is engulfing us all around, in our homes, outside the home, everywhere else, this becomes a person's direction in life. Then, because we wrongly identified, maybe not in aqidah and belief, but in practical life, we wrongly identified the western lifestyle as our way of life. Whereas our identity book our identity book is something else. Our ID book is the Quran and the Sunnah. Person looks in his ID book, he sees who I am, where I'm from, where I live, my address might be there, and when I was born, and he sees all his details in there. A mu'min, his ID book is the Quran and the Sunnah. He opens the Quran Sharif and he sees who he is. That he is created for the Akhirat. He is created to serve Allah wa ta'ala. He is cre created for the purpose of guiding mankind towards Allah wa ta'ala. 
He has been created, Allah Ta'ala says, I have not created insan and jinnat, except that they may liya'budun, ay liya'rifun, Ibn Abbas makes a tafsir, to recognize Allah Ta'ala, to correctly identify who our creator is. That same identification. But now when we have wrongly identified, we didn't see our identity book. We opened the identity book of the West. By mistake, we thought that is our, our book of life. And there we saw that Western way of life. So we started following that. That a person, part of his object of life is to live life to the full. These are the words that they express. One is the wealth. You must make the wealth. And then you must live life to the full. What is this living life to the full all about? That you must have all the leisures and pleasures of life. You must not be deprived of anything. There must be no barrier, no restriction from a person enjoying himself in whichever way he wishes. Yes, at the most they'll say, don't hurt somebody else, don't insult anybody else, do what you want. But now, when a person makes this his object of life, the real ID book, the ID book of Insan, which is the Quran and the Sunnah, it tells him that your fulfillment is in something besides the pleasures and leisures of life. Your fulfillment is in something else. Your creator and maker has already declared what is your petrol, what will keep you going. Person buys a car, he says, my car, I can do what I want with it. So in the tank, he decides to put water into it. Who's going to tell me what to do with my car? And I'll make it go on water. And how far is it going to go on water? He'll seize everything. He decides in the, where the oil must go, he decides to put petrol in there. He says, my car, who must tell me what to do? I will enjoy doing what I want to do. I'm enjoying putting the petrol in the oil tank. Oil tank. As a result, he'll suffer the consequences. So the manufacturer has told him, put the petrol where the petrol is meant to go in the tank. This car will take you far. You'll enjoy its drive. You'll enjoy and have the pleasure of driving it in whichever comfortable manner it is. So likewise, our creator, our maker, our sustainer, Allah wa ta'ala, has already told us what will fulfill us. What will fulfill us is Allah bi dhikrillahi tatma'innul quloob. That with the zikr of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, do the hearts get that peace and contentment and serenity. The zikr of Allah ta'ala in a very broad sense, which in reality is the obedience of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. Kullu muti'in lillah fahuwa dhakir. The one who is obedient to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala is the zakir and the remembrer of Allah ta'ala. The person who is ghafil and unmindful of Allah wa ta'ala, he might be even with the tasbih in his hand. But at that time, while with the tasbih, he sings subhanallah with his tongue, but he's casting lustful glances at the same time. He is far away from the remembrance of Allah ta'ala at that moment. So, the heart will not get fulfillment from these things. Now, the, we open the wrong book of life. We open the western way of life, that book of life. So that western way of life told us, well, you want to really enjoy life? then you have to take on to all these pleasures. But that cannot give a person any pleasure. So therefore, one thing for a moment, for one day, ten days, now he's bored. He's totally bored. <coughs> now what does he do? So now he needs something more. So before he was, for example, going down the road to the lake to have a small afternoon, so to say, to entertain himself, provided he's in a halal way, there's no facade there, there's no fitna there, he's not getting involved in any sin, that in itself is permissible. But now after a while, what can that give him more? So now he has to go further for a bigger, more fancy thing. Then that won't suffice. Then he'll have to roam the world. 
and but then this becomes the object, then he'll still find that this too is not satisfying him. Then now he'll want to go on something else. Allah forbid from there he'll want to now take something that will give him a high because he sees somebody else all going on a high on something. So now he'll go on to one small drug. After a while that too will not give him any more highs. Then he'll have to go on something worse. And he'll try to go high. The higher he's trying to go on these fake things, the lower he'll be taking himself. Because this is something that cannot give anybody any fulfillment, let alone things that are totally haram, even things that might be in itself permissible. But if a person makes it his object, he makes it as a source of fulfillment, it cannot give him anything. Fulfillment, person recites the Quran Sharif, people recite the Quran Sharif, those who Allah Ta'ala has blessed with this, every day one khatam of the Quran they're reading, for years, for 10 years, for 20 years, the same Quran they're reading. And the same Quran they're making one khatam daily. They never got bored for 50 years too. Because there's fulfillment every moment. So when we misidentified, identity wasn't, identification wasn't correct. We didn't open our book of life. We opened the book of life of the West. Now we saw all the youngsters doing their own things. And from outside it seems like such a glittering thing. It seems everybody's clubbing away and enjoying themselves, but go ask their hearts what's inside. There's a fire inside, there cannot be any peace in it. There's just a person trying to quench his thirst by drinking the water, salty water of the sea. For that moment, while it's on his tongue, he might feel a moment of little coolness. As soon as it hits his throat, he'll be more thirsty than before. Because that salty water can never quench his thirst. It'll barely just roll down his tongue and it'll be more thirsty than before. And he will keep going until this making of pleasures and leisures will become the main object in life. To the point where there's a group of people in the world that are known as the hedonists. Their religion, we're talking about their religion. Their religion is pleasure. That's their religion. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, أَفَرَأَيْتَ مَنِ اتَّخَذَ إِلَاهَهُ هَوَا Have you seen that person who has made his God his desires? This is in the very literal sense of the word. While unfortunately to various extents, we all sometimes fall prey to this. On the one side is the command of Allah Ta'ala, on the one side is our desire. On the one side, the adhan is going, حَيَّ عَلَى hayya Come to success. The success is now in coming to the house of Allah wa ta'ala. But at that time now the person's desire is <coughs> to look at one person throwing one ball, another person hitting it, another three people running after it, and 50,000 people clapping after them. And this is his desire now. Now, what does he do? Does he answer the call of the muazzin? Or does he sit and watch this people scuttling behind one round object? What does he do now? And he gives preference to remaining there. Allah Ta'ala is saying, have you seen the person who made his deity, his desire? That he decided leave the namaz now, I'll surround you now. Watching these 22 people running behind this piece of skin, this is now better for me. So this now has become in the literal sense of the word, this group of people known as the hedonists. Religion is there, is pleasure for them. To the point where, in the encyclopedia this is mentioned, 
that part of their religion is that if pleasure seems to be not available now, then the best thing is suicide. Because if pleasure is not available, then what's the use? Can we imagine to what extent this leads? And that is why many a times Allah forbid, person who, though he has the kalima in his heart, but because of having become engrossed in the material things, engrossed in the way of life of the West, now some little test comes, some difficulty comes, the person is gone in a state of total despair, total despondency, the person has forgotten Allah wa ta'ala is there, and as a result, he ends up doing the same thing that others are doing. He wants to take his life as well. So this all stems from the same root, where we opened the wrong book of life, we identified the wrong thing as our way of life. So this becomes a person's object, and part of this is, now he has to do what others are doing. No matter what they are doing, he has to do it. And no matter how he has to sometimes harm himself, but he has to fit in. Like one example, there is one story, the story is just for the moral. The one person went to live in one faraway place. When he got there, now he had to live there, Some he was posted to that place. He found one very strange thing. Strange thing was everybody living there, their noses were cut off at the tip. He's looking at the strange sight. Everybody's nose is cut. And very strange. Why are these people all like this? But in any case, he looked at this and he was very astonished. So he started living there. After one or two days, he overheard one person. Now both of them, the local people, both of their noses are cut. One person is telling the other and whispering to him, that look at this fellow, how strange his face looks. Now his nose is normal, but they saying to one another, look at this fellow, how strange his nose is looking. So he overheard it and just carried on. The next day he heard somebody else saying the same thing. The third day he heard the third person saying the same thing, they're nudging one another and they're laughing at him and saying, look at this person's nose. He thought, hey, I got to fit in also. So what he did was he went to cut his nose as well. Now this is exactly unfortunately what we do in order to fit in, in order to fit in with all the fitna and facade. Because we have made that our object. We have opened the wrong book of life. We have identified the way of the West as our way. So now we cut our nose all over the place. We cut the sunnats of Rasulullah to adopt the things of the West. We cut the aspects of deen. We cut not just corners. We're cutting away entire slices. Just in order to conform. Our salah is gone. Our dressing is gone. Because a person has to fit in. In order to fit in, now he has to be with the brands. If he doesn't have some brand plastered over his chest, if he's not also a walking billboard, he won't fit in. He has to advertise for free for the company. They have to make him a billboard. If he's not a billboard, everybody else is a billboard, how odd he'll look. He has to cut his nose also. He has to become a billboard. And he has to have something flashing on his... The very popular choice in many cases is this some brand Adidas... So one day, while discussing with some youngsters, so I asked them, I said one question comes to mind, that look, this big brand you have, and you're very proudly of wearing it, very happy to be this billboard walking around. So do you know what this is? So this actually is the name of the person who started off the brand. He was known as Addy, and his surname was Dasseldorf. Not the place to be discussing these people, but just for the moral behind it, for the lesson to be taken from it, 
So he put his name there. And now just because this has become such a brand, so they make you pay for the money. They make you pay money for the name. Nothing else for the name. One person told me he went to Makkah Sharif and he was in one shop just by chance and he overheard something. What he overheard astounded him. Somebody had brought one cloak to that person who was a tailor or whatever he was there in that shop and he's overhearing them that he must embroider a certain brand label on the cloak. The cloak is a fake, meaning fake meaning it's just an ordinary cloak, but now it has to be branded. Even the cloak has to be branded, whatever brand name it was, Allah knows best. So now they're going to pay 100 riyals to put that name on, so that they can flash around on a cloak also and say, I'm also somebody. This is that Western way of life. I must be somebody with brand names. So now this person now created his brand. So now that item in reality will cost a fraction of it, but the name now will cost the balance. Maybe quarter of the money is for the garment, and the other three quarters is for the name. So I said, okay, let's do this. I got something similar. Something similar in the sense that exactly the same color, the same design. As far as the fabric and the quality is concerned, ten times better. And as far as the price concerned, this one here is 500 rands, I'll give it to you for five rands. The only difference is, this person who made this, which I'm going to give you, he put his name there. And his name is Marimoto. So now which one you'll buy, the five rand one or the 500 rand one? So now nobody wants to buy the five rand one. Both are names of people, but nobody wants to buy Marimoto. Everybody wants Adidas for. So it's only the name, whereas this is ten times better quality and five rand. In fact, you tell the fellow, I'll pay you five hundred rands to wear it, you won't wear it. So what is the whole thing all about? Now this, the western lifestyle takes over a person. Whereas there's so much of respect, dignity in the libas, in the appearance of Rasulullah in the garments of, that Nabi has given. And this is something we have to keep our identity, we're talking about identification. Our identity as Muslims. That from a mile a person can recognize that that boy is a Muslim. That person is a youngster who is a follower of Sayyidina Rasulullah So this western way of life brings about these kind of situations where a person now, because of wrongly identifying, he'll cut his nose in order to fit in with whatever the trends are, with whatever is going on around in the world. These become the situations. Then, again, we're talking about this identity crisis in this broad sense. Now, when a person hasn't identified who he is, I'm a mu'min. My book of life is the quran Karim. I should be opening the Quran Sharif and seeing what's in the Quran Sharif, what guidance is there for me? Who am I? I'm a person, according to the Quran Sharif, that I'm a person who Allah Ta'ala speaks about me. That Allah Ta'ala has given me this emphasized command that I should be kind to my parents. Now, unfortunately, again, the Western way of life, when a person has misidentified, that has as being his way. So now parents are like other human beings. They have rights and we have rights. So we are equals. Hazrat Ma'a Zulfiqar Sahib, Damat Barakatuhum, he mentions... That once he was traveling and there were one man and his wife seated alongside him. So in any case, somehow he got talking to the person next to him 
the husband, and uh, in the process, who are you, where are you, and so on. And in the process, he asked them that, uh, how many children you have? So first there was a little bit of silence, and almost in unison, both of them said, well, we plan on having a dog. What are they talking about? What he's asking them? And he's like asking them, somebody that, what's the price of uh, apples? And he's talking about something else what's, what, that is sunny outside or something. So he says, but um, uh, how many, don't you uh, intend having children? So they said, well, nowadays it's better to have a dog than a child. What they might have experienced, what they might have seen, Allah knows best. But then Allah gives an example of something that is in the so-called very progressive society of the states. Well, it says that there was a case brought up by a mother. And the mother says that I want to... She brings a case against her son. Now, in the background of this particular incident that we just spoke about, Hazrat gives this incident. And what is the case? She says that my son owns a dog. And the whole day he spends with the dog. He looks after it. He will bath it. He will groom it. He'll take it for walks. And whatever else. And I'm a single parent. There's nobody else in the house. It's only me and my son. But he spends all his time with the dog. He spends no time with me. He doesn't bother about me. He doesn't care for me. He doesn't bother anything. Whether I am happy or I am sad. Whether I am crying or I am laughing. He can't be bothered. All his time is with the dog. So I am now demanding that the court must order him that he must spend time with me also. Now this was the case that the mother brought. The case was heard. The son defended the case. He said, I am a free person. I cannot be dictated to. In any case, the judgment came of this very progressive society. This is their book of life. Because whatever comes in a court judgment becomes precedent. Everything will go according to that. That is now law. That is a way of life. So this became the precedent. That the judgment came that this boy is an adult. And he is free to do as he wishes. If he wishes to give somebody time, that is his prerogative. As far as his dog is concerned, the dog belongs to him. So he is responsible to care for it. So if he is caring for the dog, that is his duty. Other than that, he is a free person. The dog has rights, but his mother has no rights. The dog deserves his time, but his mother doesn't deserve any of his time. That mother who bore him, that mother who tended to him, that mother who spent those sleepless nights looking after him, that mother who shed tears when he was crying. For the small thing that he was crying, her heart cried before him. When he felt hungry, the pangs of hunger hit her first. But that mother has no rights. When he couldn't sleep, she was more wide awake. But that mother has no rights. So Allah wa ta'ala says, you are not that person. Allah ta'ala says, identify who you are. You are not that person living in that so-called progressive society. You are a person who has iman in his heart. You are a person who has the way of life of Rasulullah to live. And in the Quran Kareem, Allah ta'ala gives us such emphasis on this. That in jahadaka ala an tushrika bima laysa laka bihi ilmun fala tuti'uhuma. That if your parents, Allah forbid, Allah Ta'ala is saying that if somebody's parents are mushrikeen, idol worshippers, and they are insisting on the child to commit shirk, 
Allah Ta'ala says, don't obey them in that. You cannot obey them in something that is incurs the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala, the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. Don't obey them in that. But in the same breath, Allah Ta'ala says, while you will not obey that command of committing shirk, وَصَاحِبْهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا marufa, That treat them kindly in the world. Even those parents, وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا Don't say even uff to them. Don't speak harshly to them. Lower yourself in humility in front of them. Don't be proud and arrogant in front of them. Don't back answer them. Don't be one who is now defiant. Because sometimes a person feels strength is in defiance. Strength is in showing that I, I got my way. No, strength is in humility. This too is as a result of misidentification. We identified that respect and honor is in wealth, in possessions. Whereas it's not in there. We identified that happiness is in the material things. Whereas happiness is in contentment. Wahb ibn Munabbah, very great personality of his time, he gave it as an example. He said respect and happiness. He gave like an example, personified it, that respect and happiness, they one day went out to look for a companion. So when they went out to look for a companion, they found contentment. So they stayed away permanently by him. Respect and happiness, they found the companion, what? Contentment. They stayed away permanently by him meaning the person who wants respect and he wants happiness, then he'll only find it in contentment. He won't find it anywhere else. Inna al-ghina, ghina nafs The Beast Asma already mentioned it to us, that the greatest wealth is the wealth of the heart. So likewise, we think sometimes, due to the wrong identification, that a person's strength and his respect is in being proud, in showing that I am one up. Whereas Nabi Asma taught us ways that respect. Man tawada alillah, rafa'ahullah. The one who humbles himself. Humbles himself only for Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala will elevate him. Allah ta'ala will grant him respect. Hazrat Junaid Baghdadi rahmatullahi merely taking his name already, any person who perhaps hasn't heard much about him to know is some very great person. He was a person who lived his life as a professional wrestler. And that's how he earned his living. And he was the favorite of the king of Baghdad. So one day, this was now um, favorite pastime. So the king announced that uh, today, whoever is ready to challenge Junaid Baghdadi and fights him, this is a prize money. It was a sudden announcement. One old man, 65 years old, with his knees shaking, he woke up and said, I'll challenge him. So the whole crowd that was there, they all burst out laughing. That this man makes it into the ring. If he manages to walk in, that itself will be a kamal. Let alone fighting Junaid Baghdadi. Somehow, the king already made the announcement. So now he can't retract. So he says, well, maybe it will be some fun for everyone. Let's see now what happens. Fine, you want to challenge him, go in. So Junaid Baghdadi also comes into the ring. And now he's astounded that, now what do I do with this old man? Maybe if I blow hard enough, he'll fall down. So, any case now... It was now for the time for the wrestling to start. So this old man, he says to him that, Oh Junaid, lend me your ear. I want to say something to you quietly. So he comes close to him. So the old man whispers to him. And he says to him that I am a Sayyid. I am from the descendants of Rasulullah And my children are starving at home. 
They have nothing to eat. And I cannot challenge you. You know that. I know that. But if you decide to today lose, though you can win at one, one moment, if you decide to lose, to just pretend to lose and lose, I'll get the prize money, I'll feed my family for one year. You'll lose nothing but your respect a little bit. People might laugh at you for a while, maybe. Now, what a dilemma this was for him at that time. That he is the champion wrestler of the time. And everybody looks at him in such high esteem. And here he must now suffer defeat because he can't tell anybody what's going on. Whatever the reason this old man could have gone and asked somebody for some hadiya or gift, he decided to do it in this way. He can't even expose this. So if he suffers the defeat outwardly, he'll have to keep quiet about it and make it sound that it was real. So what a dilemma he's in now. A person now in that pedestal must accept to be in the dust, so to say, outwardly in the eyes of people. But Allah Ta'ala blessed him at that moment to identify what is right and what is wrong. To identify where is respect in reality and where is honor in reality. So he decides in his heart, come what may, today I go to now lose this fight. So in order to just make it sound real, for a while he just prances around and he makes it seem like he's trying his best to do something and everything is just one big drama in today's world. There's kind of match fixing in any case, but for the right purposes. And suddenly he falls down and this old man who could barely walk properly jumps onto his chest and appears to be pinning him down and suddenly the match is over. And everybody is astounded that this old man who couldn't even walk steadily managed to defeat Junaid Baghdadi. Any case, everybody said what they wanted to say and did what they wanted to do. This old man took his that prize money and went away. And Junaid Baghdadi hanged his head down and went away too. And that night, when he sleeps, Nabi Sallallahu comes in his dream. And he says, Oh Junaid, you sacrificed your outward respect for my family we will have you recorded into the awliya of the time. And he wakes up, and then there's something else in his heart. He no more is interested in all these things, and today we are sitting here and taking his name with such respect. He became among the greatest awliya of the time. But that was due to now identifying where the respect is. Outwardly, he was disgraced. But when that correct identification came, that where is honor in reality, in respecting Sayyidina Rasulullah in respecting his family. So can we imagine, we respect his lifestyle. He respected the family of Nabi Wasallam so that they may have some food in their bellies. If we respect and honor Sayyidina Rasulullah we honor and respect his lifestyle. We respect his way of life, his dressing. We respect his appearance. We respect the way he uh, did everything in life. How he lived in his home. How he conducted his business how we did everything else. So won't Allah wa ta'ala bless us? Won't we get respect and honor in this, in this dunya also? And the everlasting respect of the hereafter? So this correct identification. That where is our respect? Our respect is man tawada alillah, rafa'ahullah, in front of our parents, in front of our ustads, in front of our elders. This is a cry of the time, unfortunately, in every sector. That respect has become like a total rare thing. It has become like something extinct. Whereas without respect, person can get nowhere in life.
we talk about the great personalities of the time, Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi what honor and what respect we take his name with. But just one thing in his life which will show us that among other things, what took them to these levels. Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi says that ma madadtu rijlayya nahwa dara ustadi ijlalan la. I never ever stretched my feet in the direction of the house of my ustad. Forget the, my ustad himself. My ustad Imam Hamad rahmatullahi he says, I never even stretched my feet in the direction of his house. Ijlalan lahu out of respect for him. And where was his house? Next door? What next door? His house was seven blocks away. Seven blocks away. But I didn't stretch my feet in the direction of his house also, out of respect for him. Now we look at their position and status. Millions of people throughout the world following the fiqh of Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi And all these millions of people's sawab is also accruing in his account. But in their life was these kind of qualities and values. They identified where is reality, where is the respect, where is the honor. What will take a person forward in life? These are the things that will take a person forward in life. Then we find that in a general sense, we need to identify that in deen, in the obedience of Allah, wa ta'ala, this is where our success is. In the obedience of Allah wa ta'ala is where that peace is, where that fulfillment is, that happiness is. And in sin, outwardly there might be some glitter and glamour because that's shaitan's job to make something look very glamorous from the outside. But in that is everything of the opposite. Ibn Abbas says, when a person does acts of virtue, acts of righteousness, the first thing in his heart, there'll be nur. When there's nur in the heart, then a person... He's in a little place, he's feeling secure, he's feeling happy, he's feeling safe. When there's noor in the heart, he'll be at peace. He won't be looking now, what else to do now? Now this uh, box is not working, so now he has to be on his phone, he has to be mixed, carrying on, and Allah knows best what not he's doing, and he has to be, a Friday night has come, he's now like a fish out of water if he's at home. He has to be somewhere where everybody else is. He has to be in all those vice dens. No, he's got noor in his heart, he's at peace. He's feeling comfortable reciting the Qur'an Sharif. He's feeling comfortable making the dhikr of Allah wa ta'ala. Reading the lives of the Akabir. So there's noor in his heart. There'll be luster on his face. There will be strength in his body. There will be abundance in his rizq. And he'll become beloved in the hearts of people. Ibn Abbas is giving the virtues of righteousness. Now these are all the things that we aspire for in everything else. We try to acquire these things in everything else. A person is trying to acquire peace in entertainment. He's trying to acquire happiness in wealth. But Ibn Abbas says it's in the noor, which comes from virtue. He wants to be... People, nowadays the cosmetic industry is among the biggest in the world. But all these cosmetics are nothing. Whoever it might be, male or female, the true cosmetic of a mu'min is the luster that Allah Ta'ala grants on the face of a mu'min as a result of the nur of ibadat. What is this fake cosmetics that people spend billions of rands on? And then it gives strength in the body also. A person recites this via Fatimi at night, just one example. Among the virtues of it, Sayyidina Fatima had come to request from Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam a slave 
to help with all the various chores. Nabi Salaam said, I'll give you something better. And he taught her tasbih Fatimi. The commentators of hadith deduce from this that let alone spiritual strength, reciting this tasbih Fatimi 33 times, subhanallah, 33 times, alhamdulillah, 34 times, Allahu Akbar, before going to bed. This even gives physical strength. Because Nabi Salaam gave her this in place of somebody to help with the chores in place of somebody to do the physical duties. So ibadat even brings physical strength. It brings strength of the heart also. Nowadays the smallest thing, person is, gets so frightened, gets so overwhelmed, let alone by other things. One person comes, he says, but you know, I didn't want to get involved in all this, but this girl sent me this SMS, and I suddenly felt weak at the knees. One SMS made him feel weak. Not a weak, not a knee problem. This is a heart problem. This is a problem of the heart, the iman is so weak that now already everything went haywire. Whereas a mu'min, all these things, these are things he just discards without any, just doesn't bother him in any way. He doesn't get trapped with all these things. So it gives him strength in the heart and it increases his risk and it makes him beloved in the hearts of people. Now people respect him in reality. Not the fake respect that they give him because of his maybe position in society or maybe because of his wealth or maybe because of something else or because of fearing him. Outwardly they will respect him but other than that they got nothing in their hearts for him. Allah Ta'ala will put his respect in their hearts. Now when a person doesn't have this now he's trying to find the respect in the hearts of people by doing different things. Maybe by the way he dresses he wants to get some respect in certain circles. Or now he wants to have that very flashy car. Maybe people will look at that car and respect him. All the time he's worried about, he's spending one hour shining the wheel caps, the magrams. One garage I stopped by once to refuel. Another person with a very fancy car stopped. And after refueling, first he took one plot out and he shined the wheels, the mags. Now he's drove and come, probably he'll stop after a few kilometers again and shine it. Now that becomes a person's obsession. Now because he's found respect in that. Or he, that's his perception. His wrong perception that respect is in this. But now the respect does not lie in that. And on the other side, Ibn Abbas says that in sin, what is in sin? The same five things he speaks about again. There's zulmat, there's darkness in the heart. Now in this darkness, when a person is in a dark room, he's looking for light all over the place. So now everything he can latch onto, he thinks maybe this will give the light. Now he's putting in ha- his hand in some dirt, he says this might give the light. After a while, the dirt he realizes is only dirt. He can't get anything there. He puts his hand in some other filth. He thinks this is where the light is. And he's trying to switch this on and trying to switch that on and trying to switch the mix it on and trying to switch the filth on the phone on and switch anything and everything on in order to get the light. But he's only increasing the darkness. The light is not in that. The light is in the obedience of Allah. So the first thing that comes is zulmat in the heart. The second thing, as a result of the zulmat in the heart, the face loses all its luster. The third thing, the body even becomes weak. One is weakness of the heart. Now the smallest thing, even physical things, frighten the person. The smallest sound, he loses all bravery. He loses all strength even in his heart. And Allah forbid he gets involved in certain sins, he even loses his health. He becomes a physical wreck as well. Besides being a spiritual wreck, he becomes a physical wreck as well. So he becomes physically also totally gone. And the fifth thing is that his dislike comes into the hearts of people. So all the things we are aspiring for is in the obedience of Allah. 
All the things we are trying to run away from, those are the things that are in sin. But now we are going headlong into sin and trying to acquire the things that are in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. We're talking about the strength of heart and the strength of this person's composure and mind. One very great muhaddis in the 3rd century, he passed away in the 3rd century, uh, Bunan Hammal, Rahmatullah Ali was his name. He was in Egypt and one day he came in the court of the king of the time, Ibn Tulun, and he started giving him some advice. In other words, telling him things that you sh- this is right and that is wrong and you should be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. Many of these oppressive kings, they react in the way that we know how they react. So this person became incensed. Who is this person coming here in my court and he's giving me all this? So he gave the command that he should be thrown to the lions. The lions did not even just behead him, throw him to the lions. So this was done. He was thrown in front of a lion. The lion came and the lion carried on sniffing at him and carried on sniffing at him and refused to do anything more. And eventually after a while the lion just sat down on one side when they realized that this is something very different, finally they took him away from there. In any case, that was a major thing, a karamat of his, Allah Ta'ala made that evident. But we're talking about the strength of heart, which comes as a result of taqwa. Nowadays, just to put it in a little bit different context, one small cat might just suddenly jump in front of us, that gives us such a shock, it takes us 10 minutes to regain our composure. And if it's a big Siamese cat, Allah forbid, you might get a heart attack. Now this person, there's a lion coming and sniffing all over him. So afterwards he was asked that, okay, whatever happened, happened, that lion didn't do you anything. But while he was sniffing around you, what was, what was going through your mind? Because a frightening situation, a lion, at any moment he can just do anything. So what was going through your mind? So now the lion might have been, maybe some saliva might have been falling out of his mouth also. So he says, well, at that time, I was busy thinking of that masla, that the jurors, the fuqaha, they, are differ, they differ in the ruling regarding the saliva of wild animals. Some say it's makru, some say, well, it doesn't really make the water nudges, some say it makes the water nudges. My mind was engrossed in that because I saw the saliva in the lion's mouth at that time, so my mind was gone in that masla. Person is seeing the lion, we see one cat, we take 10 minutes to get our composure back. The lion is there, anytime you can devour him, he is so composed that his mind is busy in a masla at that time. But this comes from where Ibn Abbas is saying to us, the nur in the heart, the strength in the body, all in the virtue, in the righteousness, in doing the correct things. And this Bunan Hammal, he is the person who made the statement. After all, this was his incident. He says, Al-Bari'u Jari'un. Person who is chaste, he's very brave as well. Person who has maintained his chastity and his purity and is refrained from sins. Then Allah Ta'ala blesses him with bravery to a great extent as well. And wal khainu khaifun. But a person who is all the time in deception, deceiving this way, deceiving that way, ducking and diving from this and that, trying to deceive his parents, trying to duck his phone here and duck that there, and putting 10 locks on the phone so that they can't see what is going on in there, and ducking behind here and doing something and going there and ducking and diving and doing something else, and all the various things that go along, the person who lives his life of deception will forever be fearful. He'll be fearing anything and everything. 
And the third thing he says is that woman, uh, woman asaa istawhasha. The one who lives a life of sin will always be living a life of anxiety. He will not have any peace. So the point is that all these things come back to the point, much time has already passed, the point of identification. We need to identify who we are. This identity crisis. We cannot be complacent about this. We need to find out who we are, where we are heading. We are believers. We are the followers of Sayyidina Rasulullah We need to move in the right direction just to come to the crux of it, the conclusion of it. Where do we find this identification? Where do we learn to identify correctly? This will come from being in the right environments and in the right company. We have to be in the company of the Ahlullah, in the company of the pious. This is where it rubs off from heart to heart. It rubs off from people to people. This doesn't come directly from books only. Akbar Ilahabadi Marhum says that it is neither merely from kitabs and books or from talks and discourses or from wealth that deen can become alive. Deen comes alive in the company of the pious. If we adopt the right company, we'll find that this will rub off. This will give us that courage to now undertake the right things. It'll give us the courage to, under, to refrain from sin. And this is something we can only realize the benefit of it after we take the step and do it. By merely thinking from the outside, it will seem like something very boring. It will seem like something very dry. It will seem like something that will take all our pleasure away, all our happiness away. But let us do it. Let us take that step. Let us get in the right environment. Let us spend our time in the path of Allah wa ta'ala. Go out in Jamaat. The Ishtima is here around the corner. We have a few days left. If you have not yet decided we're going to be there, we should make the decision that we will make sure we are there, not just to go and pass our time there, but to be part of every program with our hearts listening. One is our ears will listen, okay, who is the person going to speak, and what new he might say, no, with our hearts listening. That what message is being given must go deep down into our hearts. That will bring the reality of life. That will help us identify what is our direction in life. Who is our deity? Who is our Rabb? Who are we supposed to worship in Aqeedah also and in practical life as well. And where is our happiness? Where is respect? Where is honor? Where is izzat? And all the other things that we have spoken about. This is where this will come from. When we join the pious, we spend our time in the right environments. We bring ourselves onto virtue, onto righteousness. And in this way we find, not only will we get the akhirat, in this very world, Allah wa ta'ala will make our life a pleasure. فَلَنُحْيِيَنَّهُ حَيَاةً طَيِّبًا Allah wa ta'ala says <coughs> that whoever, whether male or female, with iman, does righteous actions. Allah ta'ala says we promise him hayatan tayyiba. We'll give him a beautiful, excellent life in this world. What is in the akhirat is beyond our imagination. In this very world, he'll have a good life. The true quality of life will come, that will come as we expressed, that in good deeds, in virtue, in piety, following the way of life of the, uh, of the Sahaba Ikram, of the pious people, being in their company, going out in the path of Allah, in this way Allah will make our life in this world a pleasure also. Allah will give us the best of the world hereafter as well. May Allah keep us with iman, take us with iman, and raise us on the day of Qiyamah to the iman. Wa akhiru da'wana, alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.